Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. Today's February 12th. Rob Manfred addressed the media Thursday and he's optimistic MLB will play the full schedule on time. Do we believe him? It's time to put your money where your mouth is. Jake's out of town this week, spending some time in a warmer climate. So I've got someone else alongside me today. Let's talk Bucks baseball. My name is Josh. I'm joined this week by a very special guest to me, Ryan Nolan. I call him Coach. He coached me my sophomore year of high school. Uh, He's been around here and there ever since. Uh, Myself, my family, we've always kept in touch with him. He's definitely a friend of the family. But I'm excited to have him on today. What's up, Coach? Not much, Josh, and uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the uh, invitation and the opportunity to... uh, get on here with you and talk a little bit about pirate baseball and maybe reminisce about some of your expertise between the lines that uh i had the opportunity to work with gosh how long has it been 20 plus years ago now so i know time time sure does fly by fast yeah you're not lying it's always bizarre to me like the first time somebody said oh you graduated high school 20 years ago i was like no oh <laughs> oh <laughs> It's been a while. It's kind of a reality check. I mean, I see, you know, I see a lot of you guys around still, the, the ones that are still in the area. And, you know, it kind of, uh, I see them pushing their babies around the, you know, the local Walmart or in the grocery <laughs> store. And I'm like, holy crap, I might be getting old. <laughs> but uh, I like to my, uh, maybe think of myself as the grizzled, the grizzled veteran, I guess. <laughs> it's funny, though, when I, uh, when I sent you the text, uh, asking you how you, how you were doing, you said that for the 30th straight year, your MLB career is ruined. <laughs> yeah, I've got, uh, I've got biceps tendon surgery coming up here in uh, the middle of next month, so I'm not looking forward to that. So once again, I, I, I told that to my dad. I'm like, for the 30th year, my Major League Baseball career is not going to happen, so I'm going to have to find something else to do. So today, today might be that start. There you go. I love it. Um, so I'm still, uh, if, if you were listening last week, I'm still a little bit sick. Uh, found out I had bronchitis and, you know, kind of getting over that. So once again, I'll, I'll declare that this mute button is my friend and hopefully you guys don't have to hear me cough. Uh, we'll do it with a cough drop and we'll get through it. Um, so yeah, we uh, with the with the weather. Jake and I always seem to bring up the weather, but with the weather, it was another memory of mine when we drove to Kent for the hitting camp. Oh my gosh! In one of the worst snows that I remember being in a vehicle for, maybe in the history of the state of Ohio. <laughs> uh, it was it was red knuckle time the whole the the whole way, and uh, but it was fun. We had good conversation, and luckily we made it. And here we are to do here we are to do this, but. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty interesting time. There's, uh, I've had a few of those. I drove to, uh, oh, oh, where was it? Ohio Northern University one time in a storm that was probably just as bad as the one that you and I drove in. And I don't know why anybody would ever want to go to Ohio Northern University after that because there's not a whole lot to do there other than the football factory and school. But uh, yeah, that was fun. You know, we took you up there to a hitting camp. God knows you needed it. <laughs> And, uh, so, so that was a, uh, that was a good time. Of course it didn't work, but that's a, that's a story for another day. 
one of my favorite things uh, that I like to to quote to people when they were like, oh, so you're pretty good? And I was like, well, I'll sum it up this way. Because I got, in one sentence, I got one of the best compliments that I've ever received and then also was humbled. And that's when, it, in my sophomore year, when when Coach Beatty called and said, hey, I, I, need, I need a center fielder. <laughs> and you said, well, you have the best center fielder in the Ohio Valley right here. Just don't let him hit. <laughs> it was the truth, and and I and I told you that in the in the in our text conversation uh, that we had earlier in the week, and and I'll probably go to my grave saying it. Probably the best defensive high school center fielder I've ever seen in this area, but you couldn't hit it off a tee into the freaking Allegheny River from the Clemente Bridge. I mean, that's just kind of like that's where you were in the world of hitting. The swing looked the, good, though. It, you, it you just didn't good. work. <laughs> no, I mean you had the you had the Ken Griffey spikes. You looked good out there. Your uniform was good. You were on point, but holy cow, it was bad. <laughs> I was having the the best uh, offensive, I, the the best I ever felt at the plate. The my senior year, like before we got started, I really felt confident. Felt like something clicked, and then I had my appendix almost burst. <laughs> and I was it like, only, well, there it goes. <laughs> it only figures. It's all gone now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you felt good because we were throwing wiffle balls at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, boy. And yet, uh, and yet we talk about Major League Baseball players and say that they suck. But no, like no MLB player sucks. I no. sucked. <laughs> they you do. I mean, at the plate you did, but <laughs> with your glove, you could have played with just about anybody. And I still believe that to this day, 20 years later. And I'm not afraid to say it in front of your audience and in front of you. I, I believe it. And I will take that to my grave with me for sure. Appreciate it. Swing and a miss. <laughs> <laughs> Strike two. Uh, uh, I yeah. All right, enough about me. Let's uh, let's get into the pirates a little bit. Um, we've had a lot of. Oh, actually, be, right before we do, Super Bowls tomorrow. We're recording this on Saturday for everybody, so you're going to hear this after the Super Bowls over. But Super Bowls tomorrow. We've been kind of following a little bit here. Um, do you have a pick? I do. What do you got? Uh. I like the Bengals. I think the Rams are a very good defensive team, but you know they say defenses win championships. But the Bengals have been on a pretty good streak here through the playoffs. They've won what all their games on the road, and which is pretty tough to do. Uh, you've got guys like you. You've got young guys, Burrow, and the guys on the outside. That's they're. I mean, they're pretty tough to defend. I mean, you have Jamar Chase, but if you defend him, you've got Tyler Boyd and Boyd. And if you defend him, then you've got the big tight end in Ozama. I just think the Bengals overall have a really good chance of winning the football game. And I think that's going to be my pick for tomorrow. I think that they're, and I know everybody says this, but they're just too young to care about everything else. And you talk about, they don't know any better. No. And you talk about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow just winning at every level. And it's just normal. And I, I just don't think that they believe they don't have like when you're down twenty one to three to the Chiefs and you win, 
nobody can tell you that you were going to lose. No, of course. And you got guys like Hubbard who are, you know, I, I saw something the other day. He's like, I won a state championship in Ohio. He's and then I went to, guy. yeah, he said he grew up 10 minutes from the stadium, mm-hmm. won a state championship in, in Ohio, went to Ohio state, won a national championship. And at draft day, they were, they were like, you know, what do you want? And he's like, well, I mean, I've done this. I've done this. I want to win a Super Bowl here. And he's like, probably some of those people in those room in that room laughed, but here he is, you know what I mean? So I think there's like some emotion tied to it as well. Some of those corners were pulled from places where they said, you're no good. Yeah. And I just, I think that they've stepped up. I, I, I'm with you Bengals. I got them. I got them by 10 and I'm a big Matt Stafford fan. But and I I just think that the pressure's all on the Rams because they're expected to win. They built that team to win, and they're essentially. Of course, you can't you can't look at it this way when seats are eighty grand a piece, but they're playing a home game. Uh, but that's yeah. not you know that's no. I actually there. saw There's, that when they were playing San Francisco. I think it was Stafford's wife said when they were playing San Francisco, Garoppolo did not have to use a silent count, but Stafford did. In a home game. Oh, yeah. But there was more 49ers fans there than there were Rams fans. Chances are there won't be any Rams season ticket holders there tomorrow because you can't afford tickets. I saw a video of uh, of like uh, four, foot, four guys who are not football fans are going to the Super Bowl. And one guy had a Jaguars jersey on, and he's like, "Why are you wearing that?" And he's like, "Well, they, I heard that the Bengals were going to this, were playing," and he's like, "That says Jaguars right on it." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, but I'm sure he plays for him too." Oh and, no! And then another guy was wearing a Panthers, and he's like, "He's like the Cats, right?" And he's like, "Oh no!" Another guy was wearing a Lions jersey, and he's like, "That's actually closer than you think." <laughs> and then the other guy was wearing a Rams jersey, but it was a Jared Goff jersey. He's like, I got a really good deal on it. <laughs> and then, so he's like, okay, fine. And he's like, let's go. And he's like, wait, should we change? Like, are we going to be embarrassed? And the guy said, oh, don't worry. Tickets are too expensive for fans to pay for it anyway. So it's true. <laughs> there won't be any fans there. He said, <laughs> it's become a corporate event, <laughs> but I think it'll be a good Super Bowl. Uh, uh, that, that's my thing. I'm looking forward to watching it. It'll be fun. There's more people talking about the halftime show than the game itself, so we'll that's see how that's all going to play out, too. I, yeah. I actually, it's funny, I stopped. I don't like the two weeks because, like, the first week, I'm, like, trying to watch all the Super Bowl coverage, and ev- everybody's just talking about Tom Brady. <laughs> and yeah. then the second week comes along, and I'm like, oh, you've seen one show, you've seen them all. They all say the same stuff. It's true. So, all right, now... Now let's uh, let's get into the some pirates talk. We ha- we've talked about so many, especially with the lockout. We've had so much time. We've talked about at length all of the things um, that can pretty much be talked about. I feel like, but you're you're a different voice here. So where do you see? I want to try to break this up so I'm not just giving you an open ended question here, but. Where where do you feel like the Pirates are right now? Are you, you feel like they're destined for defeat, or do you think that there's some good things right now that that you see? I think there's a little bit of hope for the future. Uh, you know, Ben Charrington has done a really good job in the farm system building building 
for that. And if we can, if we can keep guys around here, I think there's a chance. And, and, you know, not looking at 2022 necessarily, but, you know, there's hope for, you know, 2023 and into the future. Baseball America and the Athletic just came out with their top 100. Six Pirates in the farm system are in the top 100. So you've got nearly 10, 60%, I mean, 6% of the top 100 are uh, in the Pirate farm system. And and one of those players, O'Neill Cruz, is in the top 10. So I think the I think the farm system is being built the right way. You and I talked about this before we went on, but a lot of what Charrington has done is, uh, you know, they're, they've had to build from, you know, the bottom up once again. And, you know, I, I think it's starting and I think that it might give a little bit of hope to, uh, you know, to the fans in the future, if they bring those guys along the right way, you know, the pirates, the pirates way hasn't always been, you know, bring the guy, bring these guys up when they're ready. It's kind of bring them up, or, or or bring them up when they're needed. It's bring them up when they're ready. And now I think maybe that philosophy has to change a little bit, where you've got to bring these guys up now. And uh, you know, just like life, you need at bats to be successful. And you know, in in the game of baseball, you need at bats to be successful. And the only way that you can get at bats is to get the game. And I think you got to get some of these younger guys involved, you know, a lot quicker than they have in the past. It, there's a couple things that always stand out to me uh, about the at bats uh, piece of that is I feel like it used to be you graduated to the majors and you kind of played a, a bench role for a couple years while you learned and then you worked your way into the lineup, but you got to play and I think there's I think there's a twofold thing going on where one thing is you got the service time manipulation you're trying not to bring them up until you think they're ready that way you can get six full years or five and, full I, years. and I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, and then I think there's the other piece of it though that says well if I when I'm ready for this guy I want him to already like if I I don't want to bring him up and put him on the bench. And I think that philosophy makes a lot of sense to me where they say, if I bring a guy up and then I don't play him, how is he getting better? So they, they say, I'm going to say, so I might bring up a guy who I think is worse than you so that you can keep playing every day. And so I think there's, I think there's a lot of that. I, I think that we don't really know what each scenario is, but I just think that that's how it's changed. And I think that's, um, uh, uh, to me, that's interesting. There's a lot of talk about O'Neill Cruz right now. Will he make the opening day roster? And it's like, well, he's played like six games in AAA or something like that. So right. you say like, how much time do we need to give him there before? Or do we just say, you know what? Let's let him take his lumps right here, right now. And well, I think it, of guys like Jose Altuve, who they never played AAA. No. And the thing about, the thing about, that is the difference, and it's kind of cliche, but the difference between AAA and the major leagues is pitching, period, the end. What yeah. you're going to face at the plate. Uh, so are you going to have a guy come up here, knock his confidence down and around because he's not doing well at the plate when you need him defensively? Uh, and, and, you know, there's some schools of thought about that too. 
I had to fact check myself a little bit there. Jose Altuve played six games in AAA, and I think some of those games were rehab assignments. And he only played 35 games in AA. So he's been fast-tracked. Yeah. The bulk of his games were in the the rookie leagues, the A league, 85, 94 in A, 83 in high A. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying O'Neill Cruz is um, is a Jose Altuve-type talent either. But, he, I mean, I'm also not saying he's not. He's a Jose Altuve talent in the Pirates organization. Yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And, and that's how you have to look at it. I think there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of that about uh, the Pirates and other small market teams where you, you do kind of depend on striking gold with some of these guys, and it's unfortunate that like the Pirates we had Andrew McCutcheon, and I do I believe for a three year stretch he was the best player in baseball, right? Um, but like what, before he got to that point, Mike Trout was you know what I'm saying like that's ridiculous. After Kutch started to dip a little bit in his numbers, Mike Trout kept going. So uh, I'm not saying he's better than Mike Trout, but for a three-year stint, I would have taken him over Mike Trout. And it's just, it's it's funny to me that in all of these, all of these picks, all these young guys, I mean, international signings with Marte and Polanco and and those guys that, that could have, you know, been so big. They've just never struck gold. Uh, on I mean, well, not never, but recently, right? right. I mean, obviously, there was Barry Bonds, but um, and it, and it's a with with the amount of talent that's out there uh, all over the place. I mean, you look at the college levels, you look at some of these Dominican leagues. I mean, what you 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 could strike gold, but you've got to spend you've got to spend some money to get out there and try to find these guys too. And, and, you know, you don't want to knock, you don't want to knock ownership for that. Uh, but, but one of the things is, is I am a hundred percent positive being involved in athletics, nearly all of my 51 years of life that they're not going out there just to find mediocre talent. Uh, and, and, and you look at it, I look at it from a football perspective because it's like coach foot, college football for 15 years. I've never sat with a coaching staff and we've never game plan to lose. Now, sometimes you go out there and you, you, the game plan doesn't work, Yeah. but I've never sat in a room with eight, you know, to 10 coaches and we've put together a plan that we are going to lose this game. And I don't think that ownerships and GMs and managers are sitting around you know, going through metrics and going through numbers and taking guys that are going to be losing prospects down the line. It just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, they may not pan out, but, if, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work. And we've seen it here with guys where they just don't work, uh, you know, one way or the other. I mean, it's They're in situations, they're in positive situations where they are uh, coming out of, and they get here, and it's you know it's different. I mean, the major league, the, it's a job, and sometimes people perform really well at their job, and sometimes they're just really average. And but I've never, I've never really experienced a, a, a point where ownership or GMs or 
coaches, they're not game planning to lose and they're not game planning to go out to just find average talent. I mean, they're trying to get the best talent that they can get. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that where we, we look back and we judge a, a draft class or an international signing class five, 10 years later. And, you know, that's, those are all fun things to talk about, but I think the draft gets graded immediately. And you say, what is everybody saying about Henry Davis? Mm-hmm. And how did that work? And it was like, what everybody was saying was, he doesn't have the highest ceiling of this class. But when you look at the fact that we were able to draft and sign four guys projected to go in the first round because of the money that we said, I mean, that seems like uh, that ends up being a really good draft. These guys may or may not work out. The thing about the word prospect, potential, and ceiling is that you're a prospect until you make it. Your potential is how far, and your ceiling is how, like, you you know what I'm saying? Like, those well, kind of go. Is, your ceiling is how far. And I looked, I've always looked at potential as you haven't done anything yet. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and we look back at this last draft class, or this last draft, uh, I guess you could call it class, but, uh, <clears throat> the the two pitchers from Vanderbilt, everybody wanted pitching. You know, the, the Pirates need pitching. They want pitching. They need it. But the people in your organization have looked at these guys. There's enough. <clears throat> there's enough data. There's enough film. There's enough of everything on these guys to say we're going to pass. Now, what's the reason? We don't know. And maybe those guys on go. Maybe those guys go on to have great careers. But there's got to be a reason. And, you know, they're not going to tell us what that reason on the inside. They know what that reason is. But uh, and that's that's kind of the that's kind of the game of (laughs) I mean, that's kind of the game of baseball. Yeah. And I think uh, so far uh, what Sherrington's been able to do has been, I, I think, really good as far as what he's built up for. It's it's beyond those six in the top one hundred too. I mean, you look at the top ten, all look really good. The top thirty, even still, you're seeing a lot of names. There are guys that I like that are outside of the top thirty, and you know things can change as as they develop. And as some guys, like if Mason Martin continues to strike out, he's going to continue to drop on that list. But he could also uh, greatly improve his at bats and go back up. And excuse me. Um, and I just think that what the things that Neil Huntington did well wouldn't even have come into play yet because Huntington, no. I feel like the things that he did well were those were, I mean, he acquiring guys like Brian Reynolds. Now, not all of them work out that well, but right. uh, for instance, the Garrett Cole trade didn't quite pan out, but you got four players who were all very close. And had any of them, I mean, Musgrove did, because then Musgrove turned around and got the players that we got for him, which are on this list. And right. so, there, you know, there's other things like that, but uh, but obviously that was a Sherrington trade, but, you know, Musgrove was brought in by Huntington. But I thought that Huntington did a good job with guys like bringing in A.J. Burnett, bringing in Russell Martin, Francisco Cervelli when Martin left. Um, you know what I'm saying? And he was able to do things like that. And really his drafts weren't, awful uh i looked back at like a 10-year list this week and like six out of the 10 made it to the majors and had like more than a cup of coffee 
Now, Pedro Alvarez didn't turn out to be a perennial home run leader, but I would say without the yips, he would have been a lot better. Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, but, like, you're talking about uh, a big presence in that lineup in that playoff run. It, that 2013 playoff run, he had an RBI in every game. You can't ask for much more. No. And and, and those moves, and, and you talk about those moves that Huntington made in that year, I mean, that's – that. That propelled them to that playoff run. There's no doubt about it. There's no question in my mind. I was uh, in San Diego for the for the game that we won that Garrett Cole pitched. And one play that always sticks out to me was that uh, when Marlon Bird popped up to the infield and they missed it and he was standing on second. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a difference maker and a leader. He could have just dogged it and stopped it first. But he booked it. And when they dropped the ball, he was at second. And I was like, just things like that. Uh, but the fact that the fact that was happening with uh, air quote, I guess, rental players. Yeah, I mean, those are the kind. Those are the kind of guys that uh, the Marlin Bird hustle type guys. Those are the kind of guys that you want to build through your system. Yeah, uh, you just don't want to bring them in for. And, and I think that's where you know a lot of people have have kind of soured on the Pirates is they just haven't. They bring in guys for small stints, they're successful, and then they get out of here or they aren't successful here. And then when they leave Pittsburgh, they have careers that are, you know, not really, but Hall of Fame worthy. (laughs) I think the biggest thing, uh, the biggest negative on Huntington's piece was really just pitching development. He tried to put all of our pitchers in the same box and said, this is how we're going to pitch. And I think that that, tremendously hurt guys. I think Garrett Cole's struggles were because of that. As soon as he left, he blew up. We all knew he would. We also all knew that we couldn't keep him long-term. Scott Boris was never going to sign an, an extension. We had to trade him. It's unfortunate we we couldn't get more out of that return than just uh, Jim. I mean, we got innings out of Moran and Feliz and, and whatnot, but not, you know, productive. But And, and, and you know, is that a product of then you look at that does that become a product of coaching when it comes down to to player development especially pitchers you know you don't uh uh, you've got you've got uh shelton is a former hitting coach yeah uh you know the guy that was here what was it was it who was the last pitching coach here marine miller what's that oscar marine no he's the 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 one prior to him Oh, Uncle Ray Searage. Yeah. Yes, Ray Searage. I mean, and you and I talked about this before we went on. I mean, what are you going to tell these guys? How do you coach How do you coach a Garrett Cole? Yeah. I mean, that and we talked about it on in a in a different thing, but now we're going to kind of get in your wheelhouse. How do you coach a guy like that? I mean, you you put stuff on film, obviously, and they watch it and it's minute changes, as you know. You've you've played the game, uh, but you've got a guy that's you know he's going to harp on this and harp on that, and you got to make this change. And your your delivery's here, and it's got to be in, here, and but it just doesn't feel comfortable. And guys that are set in their ways aren't going to make those changes. They're going to kind of stay the way they are and go out there and be a wild man. And it is what it is, I guess. But you know, does it come down to coaching at some point where? You, you've got to find the right fit for the players that you have. Yeah. I think that's going to be big for guys like Quinn Priester, who 
um, were brought in under Huntington and now are seeing the change in pitching development for Sherrington. And I think that those types of things, and I know a lot of people might say, well, it's on the player. Well, there is still something to be said about development and the, and the way things go. But you're right, coaching happens there more than it happens. What was Ray Sears going to do? He, he moved Jay Happ six inches on the rubber, and all of a sudden his career changed. Yeah, hello. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's like and that's that's and what that's you're a, doing. That's that diamond in the rough stuff that you talk about. I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, you find a guy and then you then you get lucky. Yeah. You, you get a cha- you get a change, you get lucky and he's he's another guy that was here and I mean, he had a he had a pretty decent run here, but once he left here, he's kind of taken off. Yeah. And you know, it's it's and Charlie Morton. Guys, yeah. Yep. Guys aren't here because they're. You're not a bad. You're not a bad player because you're in the major leagues. I mean, there's only what thirty. What is it? Thirty teams, twenty five, yeah. six hundred, six hundred plus players. You're one of the best six hundred plus players in in the world at what you do. Uh, you haven't gone from college to the minor leagues to the major leagues and forgotten how to do what you do. Yeah. Uh, sometimes guys just need coached up a little bit. Yeah. And man, and I, and I think the change. I think Derek is a. I think Derek's a good coach. I'm a good manager. Uh, he's a player's guy. Clint was a player's guy too. But I think, I, I think Clint's uh, shtick got a little old. Yeah. For for some of these young guys, and you know, Derek is a Derek is a guy. I think that can turn things around. He's fun. I you listen to him on local sports talk radio, and he does a really good job. And and I think the guys will have played for him, but I think as they bring some of these young guys along, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he progresses as a manager because he's a player's guy. He's a player's coach. I like, uh, I like the things kind, at the end of the like year. I was. Well, yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, just to break in that we were having BP one day and I was going back or I was coming in. I don't even want to discuss this. <laughs> And we had a second base with coming back. We both called it once because we're both like it's BP. And I went to slide down, just you know, just to slide down and catch it. And, and I saw you him broke out the of the corner. I, I I saw him out of the corner of my eye, and I turned, and he backed into me and basically folded over me. Ugh. And it was terrible. I mean, I felt on the hip. You know, I mean, you you felt impact, and. I just remember the people around. I mean, you know, you're 15, 16 years old. And I remember the people standing around the, the police officer. He's like, who's the kid he ran into? And I was like, and I was upset. You know what I mean? And he's like, only takes nine pounds of pressure to break a bone. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> that, was then, about, that was about 70 pounds of pressure. Poor kid. And then, and, and, and he was tiny. Of course I was no. too. I still remember the kid. I went to visit him in the hospital, as a matter of fact. But what you what what just to kind of paint the picture a little more, where we played our games was uh, it was in a state park, yeah, and in a hole, and it was kind of the early the early inception of mobile phones, and yeah. we had we had no means of communication to the outside world, and there were a couple of mobile homes that were near our field and the people that lived in the mobile homes weren't really friendly with us. And we actually had to send somebody over there to use their phone to call the ambulance 
Yeah. Long story short, the kid's bone came right out of his leg, and I've never seen anything like it. And rest in peace, Coach Tags, because yeah. that was the funniest story I've ever told in my life. Yeah, he, he, he comes running out now. He went over, he looked at it, and he's like, I was like, just look at it. <laughs> well, but, he said, uh, he said, where does it hurt? And I remember hurt. looking at him saying, like, he's screaming, my bones. leg, my leg, my leg. His bone is sticking out of his leg like this. <laughs> Or coach or, Tags was a was a football coach. Uh, he was there basically to help babysit. <laughs> but we walked around the. This this is where I was getting to. We walked around the field, and you and I barely knew you. This was very early. It was early, yeah. And we were walking around, and we get all the way around to the end, and you've calmed me down and all this stuff. And as soon as you sensed that I was calmed down, you said, "Hey, by the way, Coach Tags wants to know if you want to try out for the football team." <laughs> <laughs> that'd have been the only place you'd have gotten a hit that might have been your only hit of the year of course it took out our shortstop but that's all right oh boy <laughs> so anyway um so in the grand scheme of all this and in this uh all these things uh i'll ask two questions i'll start with this year Can, uh, let's just pretend for the sake of of the conversation that we're going to play 162 this year are the pirates better in 22 than they were in 21 from what you can see so far on paper probably but you don't play the games on paper uh this is going to be a pretty convoluted answer you can't be any worse (laughs) i mean that's still a fair argument i mean it's a it's a i mean it's a fair answer i guess but when you look at when you look at what is in the pipeline, and you look at pro, pro, probably the the guys that you're going to bring to spring training on the 40 man roster, yeah, I think they can be better. It's just going to be a matter of it's just going to be a matter of how they, I mean, how they progress. I mean, it's <laughs> it's that's the bottom line. You know, you you can't be any worse than you were last year. Uh, you know. And it all starts, I really believe it all starts with pitching, but that's, that's baseball in general. Yeah. I think if they, if they sure up a pitching rotation that uh, can go out there and get some work done. Yeah. I think they can be better. I think that's, I think that's a hundred percent where I'm at. I think if, uh, if that pitching staff can be better than what it was. And if you look at it, I mean, some of the, some of the low points, some of the were what you got out of Chad Cool, Trevor Cahill, mm-hmm. Stephen Brault, and they're all gone. And so you do see that they're gone, and there's different guys. and And Mitch Keller was really frustrating. Now we've all seen the videos of Mitch Keller recently, where they're touting obviously velocity, but more than that, they're they're saying his changeup is really good and has movement. His slider's better. If that stuff translates, I mean, we've always known that he has the talent, uh, and you could make a case that his first year was a lot better than what it looked like on paper. I mean, his batting average on balls in play were up well over 400, which is league average is 300. I mean, that's a lot of bad luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and then he had a good 2020, but then, you know, you, you have to you have to put it down. He's got a, this is a make or break year for him. I I if he turns it around, then sure. I mean, it's even. 
I just think in general, I think it looks better in the starting but, rotation. Like I said earlier, I mean, guys, just, the guys don't forget how to play. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's a little bit, there's a little bit that sits on the player. I mean, now, especially that this, all other men, you have to, uh, in, in the midst of this lockout, what are guys doing? I mean, and, and it's, and it's easy to say that. I mean, you, you, you talk about, you know, situations where, and these are athletes that are at the top of their game, the best at what they do. Uh, are they sitting around playing PlayStation or are they out there trying to get better? And that's the, you know, that's the thing about this. And you can look at that going all the way down to the, to the lowest of levels, to the, to the little league levels, all the way up to the major leagues. You know, what's a kid do in the off season to get better? Uh, what's a, what's a major league baseball player doing in the off season to get better? I know guys that I've been friends with them and, you know, I saw what guys did in the off season and one of my best friends still probably to this day was, is Albert Bell. If you remember him played for the, played for the Indians, Mm -hmm. Albert was, he was my neighbor when I lived in Cleveland. So we got to see a lot of each other. We played a lot of golf together and it was during the strike year. uh, I mean, I, I watched this guy work out tirelessly. And it was the year that he, you know, 50 doubles and 50 home runs. Uh, are guys doing that nowadays? We don't know. I mean, but it's just interesting. I remember getting that call from him. He he called me in the middle of the night. It was pretty funny. He always, he called me me. So he calls me, he was like, hey, me. I'm like, what do you want? It was 3.30 <laughs> in the morning. I can remember this like it was yesterday. He said, we got to go. I said, where are we going? Like we're running like away from the law. He goes, no. He said, you got to ride with me to spring training. You got to drive. I got to be there in like a day and a half. I'm like, all right, let's go. So we packed our stuff and we jumped in his Lexus and drove to Winter Haven, Florida. And I spent spring training with the Indians back whenever, whatever, in the late nineties, the last lockout, I guess that happened. So uh, I guess I can talk on this a little bit. It's just a matter of what these guys you know, what they're doing in the off season to get better. And you see these little motivational things, you know, you get better when nobody's watched champions are built when nobody's watching, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, at, at this point, I don't know if they're allowed at facilities, so they're going to have to be on their yeah, own. Not team facilities. Yeah. Right. So I mean, we'll see. But I think that to answer your question in a long convoluted way, yes, I think they can be better. So when then do you see, when do you see, uh, maybe not a postseason contender, but I would assume you have a step towards that. Like 2012, we saw a good team. It fell apart at the end, but we saw a good team. I think this year's the step, and then I think next year, I think is, I think next year could be a year for them to probably break out of this terrible slump that they've been in. This year, I think they're going to take some lumps, but they're going to be better. Yeah. Uh, but I think with with what's within the pipeline, I I believe that 2023 could be a year that they would have a little bit of a breakout, a better breakout yeah. than they've had in the last few years. Yeah, and that's like that's what a lot of what we think, and and I think a lot of people keeping an eye on all this is very possible. 2023. I mean, you could see a lot of these names up there. Um, obviously. 
probably not all of them. It's, it's very rare if all of them work out. That's that's kind of like striking gold. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that's right in line with, with the way that we feel. 2023, you're going to start seeing a good baseball team, a good product. Yeah, maybe maybe I, not I playoffs, maybe not deep, but a good team, which gives you hope that once those guys start getting experience, 2024, 2025, those are teams that we expect this thing to be turned around to to – to see a window open up there. And then it's all about seeing if they can sustain it. I was just going to say, I mean, if it doesn't, and if it doesn't happen by then, then I think there's going to be a deep dive into what the heck's going on. Yeah. And then all the things that we say good about what Sherrington has done so far. Now we say, okay, well, you know what I mean? What's, Mm -hmm. what's next. And so I think there's a lot of things where there's, there's some, there's some people out there saying, Oh, there's a lot of credit given to Sherrington. Well, as of right now, he's earned it. He still has to prove it. Like like you're saying. The pieces are in place. Yeah. You just have to put it between the lines. And, uh, you know, that's where, that's where fandom is separated from management. I mean, I think that's what it is. People, people want to see results quickly, but these guys know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, in some cases, in some questions, in some cases you question moves, but, you know, in the long run, they have an idea what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, we talk about it a lot more than they do because we don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah. And so we went pretty long there. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll talk the dark CBA stuff uh, and, and get into that. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Check us out on the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Bridge number two Bucktober. Audio podcasts available in your favorite place. Video podcasts available on YouTube. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're going to get into... CBA negotiations, this has been the, the hot topic for a while, and I know we're all sick of kind of talking about it, but, I mean, it's here. It's going on. Manfred addressed the media Thursday, as we assumed he would. We also assumed that he would say spring training's delayed, and he didn't say that. There was some optimism in his voice. He kind of came out and said, we believe that we can still get this done in time. I don't know how many days you need to show up to spring training. But I mean, like I've heard for a long time, six weeks is probably too long. We could do it in four. So like, yeah, that's fine. Um, But like, how how long do you need? I mean, I guess these guys are just waiting on the call. They could probably be there, you know, Hey, we're going to get this thing going. All right. We'll be there tomorrow. From past experience. It's been about a day and a half. (laughs) Yeah. So Uh, you just spoke to that. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what it is. And it's, it's just so interesting that uh, you know they're buying their time for one reason or another, and they're up against it. Uh, you said they're meeting today, yeah. which I think is very interesting. As we talked in the open before we even got on about the fact a lot of stuff is getting done on Super Bowl weekend, <laughs> which I think is pretty interesting. So they either they either bury the lead if something negative happens or, you know, it's part of the news and it just kind of gets overlooked. But, you know, I think it's a, 
it's an interesting situation that they're in. Are they going to, you know, get to spring training early? And sure, these guys can get ready. I mean, hell, they play games. They play games uh, three or four days after reporting anyway. So, again, yeah. it just goes back to what we talked about. Are they ready when they get there? And I think that's and, – and I think that has a lot to do with, again, you have to – you have to look at what management and, co- and management and coaching staffs are doing. Or, you know, are they, you know, are their guys ready? And are they telling their guys to get ready? You know, strength and conditioning is a big deal. Have those coaches gotten plans out for these guys to do their workouts to be ready for spring training, whether it happens in a few weeks or whether they have three weeks of spring training and they're right into the season. So, I, I think the season could happen. I mean, it. Are they going to get 162 in? Who knows? I think that they'll do everything in their power to get 162 in. And I I think that a lot of that may come uh, at the player's expense because I think the players are more motivated to get 162 in than the owners are. The owners want expand or the league in general once they want that playoff expanded why because they get more money from the playoffs and players don't get paid for the playoffs right you get paid for your you don't get paid for spring training you don't get you get paid for the regular season mm-hmm. and then that's it and maybe that's part of what needs to change maybe there just needs to be well if you make the playoffs everybody makes the every every player makes a base amount right uh, and maybe there's something that I don't know about but you know I uh, it to me that's that's a part of it, and so that's why the players are upset about the delay of the regular season because they know it doesn't hurt the league, but it does hurt them, and and they think that that's why the league keeps pushing things back because if they get to that close point and the players are like, we don't want to take away from our money, then they're going to be motivated to change the tune in some of the things that they're asking for, and, and I, I think, think that's they, what's going to happen. Yeah, you got to understand. I mean, when you, when it comes down to it, and this is as simple as, I mean, this is really as simple as it gets, and it's rather elementary. You've got billion-dollar business guys, and you have athletes. So, I mean, the billion-dollar business guys, I mean, when you get to the negotiating table against, and it's not a knock on athletes, but you get a billion-dollar business guy up against you know, a group of athletes, they're going to push them into a corner because the players want to play. Uh, and, and this is where owners and management and Major League Baseball itself, I think, may have an upper hand. Uh, yeah. Because they're, because they're, I hate to say it, they're smarter. I mean, they're going to push these guys into a corner. They negotiate. And, and I guess the number one rule of negotiation is the last that, the last that talks loses. That's always what I've been told when you're, you know, mm. whether it's sales or whether it's negotiation, the last one that says a word is usually one that loses. So I think, I think that the, the league itself is going to present what they present and who knows, I, I'm not real sure what's going to happen in this, in this crazy scenario, but you know, you got to pay the guys. I mean, yeah. That's, that's the big thing. Yeah. That's your product. Uh, I'll, I'll go back to this because I know I've said a lot about, you know, they're the product and the players should get paid and all this stuff. But I'm going to go back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say where I kind of developed a, re, a really like a change in my understanding of things. Um, 
and it's it's a weird way, but when when Katie, uh, when my wife Katie, when she was doing she was doing an internship at a church one time, and one of the things that she was doing was, hey, we need we want to book, we want to book a big uh, a big show, mm-hmm. and so there was different things like she was looking at all different things, but because she was in it, she's like, I'm going to inquire on a lot of people. And so she went and she said, what does it look like to inquire on bringing Chris Tomlin? And if you guys are familiar with the church or anything, Chris Tomlin's a mega uh, contemporary, you know, worship guy or whatever. What would it, what would it cost to bring him in? Let's look at the numbers. You know what I mean? So you've got to rent out uh, an arena near you. You know what I mean? And the one in the one that I'm, uh, that was specific to that was like 10,000 seats. And that matters when they, they say, what's, what's your size? What's your venue size? 10,000. Uh, maybe a little bit more because you could put people on the floor. So whatever it is. Okay, what are you planning on selling your tickets for? 20 bucks a pop, which is, you know, pretty decent price. Okay, so you, 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 could, you see how much money that is. And yeah. you have some marketing involved. You know, you've got to put this out on the radio stations and do all your marketing things. But it's so funny because when, before all of that was added in, she said, what's it cost? They said, what's the venue? What's your, and they came back with like, it's going to cost you about 75,000 to get him there. And you're like, wait a minute, what? I mean, I used to play shows. We got paid a hundred bucks a night. You know what I mean? (laughs) And it's like 75 and it's like, well, he travels with a band. He's got to pay all of them. He's got a tech crew. He's got to pay all of them. But the biggest thing that they came down to was if we don't ask for 75,000, you make a lot more money off of this show than we do. Right. And who are people, who are people there to see? They're there to see Chris Tomlin. Yeah. They're not there to see the promoter. So that's the biggest thing. If Chris Tomlin is the draw, Chris Tomlin gets paid Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not a greedy thing. It's a, I don't want to be taken advantage of. And that is fair. And I just look at, we talk about, we, we were talking about earlier about how baseball doesn't market their players. Well, you can see why now, because the more you market them, the more you think they're worth. And so baseball doesn't market their players because they want to pay them less. Right. The reason why, if you're walking down a mall and you see a guy that looks like Mike Trout, the most you're going to do is bump your buddy and say, guy looks like Mike Trout, but you're not even sure it's him. Right. That's just stupid. I agree. And I, and I, and major league baseball has not done a good job uh, in the whole marketing thing. And, and we talked about this and I'm sure this show is going to run a whole lot longer than what you expected, but uh, (laughs) what the, the state of baseball now overall in the U S yeah. I mean, I think the state of baseball in the United States is, is it's dying and people are going to probably hammer hammer the Twitter feed on this one, but because, you know, you drive by a field in the summer and you see people are packed in this field and you see travel teams, you see elite teams, you see prospect camps and all of this stuff, but it comes down to, you know, what really is the state of baseball overall, aside from this lockout in the U S everybody wants to play football. Why don't they want to play football? Because it's marketed like crazy. And, you know, that's what kids want to do. And, you know, as much as, as much as you think you go to 
a high school baseball game, there's nobody there. You go to a high school football game, there's 10,000 people there. Yeah. You know, who do they want? You know, they think they're going to be found and all this good stuff, but it's just, I don't know. You know, nobody's, when you played baseball and, and we said this, when you played baseball, you played for your high school team, you played for your Legion team. And by the time October hit, it was over and you either played basketball or hit the weight room or whatever you did. Now, you know, you play for your high school team, you opt not to play for your local Legion team, and you play for a travel team that travels all over the nation that costs thousands of dollars to do. You have personal trainers, and, you know, you go to your pitching coach at 9 in the morning, you have a hitting coach at 11.30, and then you go to a speed trainer at 2 o'clock. And quite frankly, I think kids just don't, you know, it. that's not fun. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that it needs to be fun all the time, but at such a young age, when you're 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, and you're coming up through those ranks, when you get to high school, the last thing that you want to do is play baseball because you, you've, you're burnt out because your dad thinks you're going to make it to the major leagues. And there's only 600 of them in there. So are you one of the best 600 kids in the nation that play ba- in the, well in the world at this point that play baseball and, I just think the state of baseball is dying in the U.S. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and I have, I have a few comments on that if I can remember all those points to hit because I do think, too, um, like when we were playing, there was also that that idea that, like, well, I choose not to play football because it's dangerous. And if I felt like I was good at, at baseball, I didn't want to risk an injury. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. And so there was a thought about that. And there was the idea that you're like, well, it's it's so hard to, like, d- you know, depending on who you are. Now, if you're out to have fun for high school and you aren't going to play sports after, I think a lot of kids just go straight into football because of the rush of Friday night lights and everything. Mm-hmm. And 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 baseball's overlooked at the high school level as far as, like, a, a fan is concerned. It's your parents there, and that's it. Yep. And But there was always this different because – with baseball, you also know that even somebody like me who couldn't hit, there was still in the back of my mind, yeah, but there's all these minor league, like there's a there's there's still a chance. You have so much, uh, you have the ability and and the and the opportunity to develop and and get better. For me, I needed eye surgery, but <laughs> to get better at you needed a whole lot. <laughs> But you need, uh, you know, there was a lot of things that you could have improved on. I mean, I'll say back in the day, for one, nobody ever told me it was okay to walk. We were up there to hit. Right. A walk was bad. We used to get mad at the other high school team that we played a lot, that Jake actually played for. We used to get mad because they would yell, what's the best kind of bases? Free bases. And everybody in our dog, I'd be like, shut up. You got to earn it. You know, like, and now it's common knowledge. You can earn a walk and it's like, oh, well, we didn't know that, but I swung at everything, (laughs) which is why I was awful. But, um, you know, it's the idea that like, there was always this thought that this was a possibility, but that everybody had, like, we were all playing Mm -hmm. and football became like it's it was more popular there, but it wasn't ever this thought that like, oh yeah, I can go pro. Football was always seen as dangerous and violent and all these things. And now the game's 
so to speak to that, the game is way different now. Football oh, yeah. is, I mean, it's still dangerous. There's still uh, an acceptable amount of violence, but it certainly is not a violent sport the way it used to be. No. The things that LT would say and do during a game, <laughs> we're you, not, no, he'd, we're be, not he'd be thrown out of most games these days. Of course. But I, I take that, and then the things that you were saying about travel baseball, about all these, all these different things that cost a lot of money, what that creates is a gap between the people who can afford to do those things the and the, the people who can't. Yeah. And that just kicks you out of the game right away. And I've even seen, even at the local Little League that, that isn't Travel League, you're expected to show up with your own helmet, your own bat. And I'm like, we had a duffel bag. We dumped the helmet out. Gonna, I was just going to say, I mean, you, you, every, you can book it if you went and stood at a Little League field every Thursday, Tuesday, Friday, whatever days they play. And every kid shows up with a bag that's got two $400 bats in it and his own helmet. I mean, when, when uh, again, it was 20 years ago, we had a freaking bag of bats. If you didn't like the bat, then you didn't hit. I yeah. mean, that's just kind of how it worked. But yeah. now it's. We had a few guys that bought their own bat. Other than that. You used what was you I mean you used what the school provided. Now we tried to get the best stuff that we could. Yeah. But now if you know if you don't have this four hundred dollar bat, you don't have this glove. You know, I mean, then you're you know, then you don't play. Yeah. And it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't. And this don't is pre it. this is pre COVID the the batting helmet thing. I mean, mm-hmm. this is you know this is not a this is not a COVID thing. Oh, we don't want to wear each other's helmets. No, no. This is this was happening before that. Everybody wants to look good, but they don't want to know learn how to play. But it's you know, I we could dive down that rabbit hole. Yeah. We're not gonna do that. So it does everybody speak has to, to that, look the part. Yeah. It does speak to that gap that, that we're that we have existing right now in Little League and and into high school of uh like you said, the can nots and the have nots and or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it goes one step further to bring it back to what we were saying is, man, Ken Griffey Jr. was everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, he was the face of, of, of Nike with Michael Jordan. and Oh, yeah. Know, like, he was everywhere. And we knew all of these guys. The Big Hurt was everywhere. I mean, they had no their... No doubt. They had their cleats, and everybody wanted those cleats. And yep. I never went a year without a new pair of Griffey's. And you know what I'm saying? Like, that was... It was it was huge. You, you had you know commercials with all these. Ba- I mean, everybody knew what Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, and John Smoltz looked like. They were on a ton of commercials. The chicks dig the long ball stuff, and you know what I mean. Like there was all that stuff. It doesn't happen right now, which doesn't even create this uh, motivation or desire in young uh, players to say, "Oh yeah, I want I want to be that." Right. Instead, it's it's focused towards the NFL players who are in all the commercials. I mean, you can never watch a commercial break without seeing Aaron Rodgers or or Patrick Mahomes Patrick on Patrick Mahomes. They're always yeah, there. Course. I've never seen, and maybe I just have missed it, but I've never seen uh, a State Farm commercial with a baseball player in it. No. I don't. I'm trying to think of who 
who is probably the baseball player in the most commercials right now? Can I even think of like a national? Because Mike Trout, and maybe for his own purposes, he doesn't do a lot of that. He's more of a quiet guy, and that's okay. But like, who's the other guy? Yeah, but there's there's not, and and I think you're right about that. And that's a pretty good point. There's no there's no face of Major League Baseball, and that's a pretty good point. Other than some of those silly ESPN commercials that are out there. But as far as a product goes or a company goes, yeah, I don't, I don't recall any. I just, I can't think of one. Like no. who's, I even think of like some of the commercials I've seen, like the, what is it? The Han Cook tire stuff that Kershaw's doing. You only see that on MLB network and during a baseball game. Yeah. The national, but, but as far as the national level, goes, yeah. I don't know if there's any. Yeah. I just don't see it. And they're still running, but the thing about it is, State Farm runs the commercials during the baseball games, and that's where you see Aaron yeah. Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like that's how it goes. It's it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's baseball's not in a good way right now overall. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would say about your thing is, I because I'm a such a baseball fan, I, I refuse to word, use the word dying, uh, but I definitely, I mean, without question, it's declining. I think Maybe it's savable. I think it's savable because I think that when it all comes down to it, if baseball got those things right, I think it would. I think it would revive. I think that this the sport alone is is too relatable. It's too there, there's just too much good of it for it oh, to, yeah. to die because of it. And I just think that that's uh, there's too much history too. I, I just think there's too much, but they, they have to fix these things. And what it really comes down to is we're watching it right before our eyes with this lockout stuff is that Major League Baseball is is simply not promoting players because they want to to lower their value. Right. They want the money and they they, they one side wants the, one side wants to keep the money and the other side wants the money. And I think the guys that want the money deserve the money. Yeah, I mean, and 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 I'll even say because I know there's a lot of I know there's a lot of comments about oh they get all the money, they get all the the big ones do. Mm-hmm. You know, Fernando Tatis and Bryce Harper and Mike Trout and those guys have no problem getting the money. But what I I, I think I said the number before it was like sixty five percent of of major league yeah. rosters are comprised of people that are pre arbitration. And the players are trying to get that group of people to get their money increased. That's what needs to happen. Right. You want to stop. Uh, that's probably not true. I was going to say, if you want to stop uh, service time manipulation, then everybody on the 40-man rosters gets paid as if they're in the major leagues, regardless of whether they're in AAA or not. But you probably it probably still won't stop because service time manipulation isn't necessarily about paying them that money. It's about keeping them for an extra year. Right. Um. But still, I, I mean, the unbelievable thing is, is if you're in AAA right now, I think you make somewhere between fifteen dollars and $20,000 a year. As soon as you're added to the 40-man roster playing in AAA, you're at like $60,000 a year your first year. It goes right. up from there. Fifteen dollars to $20,000, you're one step away. Which is crazy. And yet, and yet we want, for a guy who has had a long you know, a long road, possibly, you know, making it to the majors at 26. He's possibly been doing this for living on 
like ramen part time <laughs> Taco Bell job. Yeah. I mean, less than that. At the low low miners, you're talking about three to six thousand dollars a year. Oh, I know. You know That's what I mean? Ridiculous. At the, and then you send them home and you say, make sure you work out and get better in the off season. And they're like, oh, I got to work. <laughs> I'm going to make more money in the off season than I am in season. It's just, they have to uh, work so hard. And that's the other thing is, oh, these guys play a kid's game. Quit complaining. No, they've worked more at making it to the majors than I've ever worked at a job. There's no doubt. I mean, that's just the truth of it. But so, yes, I side with the players on a lot of these things. I don't like the, some of the things they're saying, but, um, you know, as far as that goes. Um, so, yeah, we there was a couple things announced, though, uh, as, a way to, as a way to create optimism for Rob Manfred. He did announce that there has been a couple things they've agreed on. Yes. And the, the, I'll start with the qualifying offer. Uh, being attached, like if a player is, is eligible for a qualifying offer and you offer it to him, then if he signs with another team, that team loses a draft pick, you get one. They, It seems like they've taken that out. I don't know if that means they've taken the qualifying offer completely out. Uh, I think it's... Okay, so historically, uh, the Pirates offered a qualifying offer in 2014 to Francisco Liriano and Russell Martin. Francisco mm-hmm. Liriano signed back with the Pirates, so it became irrelevant. Right. Uh, but Russell Martin signed with the Blue Jays, and the Pi- and the Blue Jays lost a pick, and the Pirates got one. And we drafted Key Brian Hayes with that pick. So you could say, wow, that's really important. Unfortunately, the Pirates don't offer a qualifying offer all that much. And I think at the time when they offered that to those two guys, the qualifying offer, I could be wrong on this, and I'm sure somebody will let me know. I think it was around 12 or $13 million. Where now the qualifying offer is around nineteen million, the Pirates just aren't going to offer that. No, they're just going to let the guy walk. They're in no position to be able to do that. If they don't offer a qualifying offer, there's no draft pick tied to it anyway. So I right. wonder if they're just doing away with the qualifying offer piece altogether. And if so, then those players just go to free agency, and then whatever happens happens. And, and that's it. Yeah. And so uh, what it eliminates, and I think this is the good part of that, because I I say that to say, like, I don't think this really matters much to the Pirates because we're not going to be offering qualifying offers. As a matter of fact, we're trading them before they get to that point anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if we haven't signed them to an extension, we're probably trading them. So um, the good thing about it is those mid-tier players, and I'm trying to think of who it was a couple of years ago, a pro- very productive player went unsigned until after the draft because teams wanted him, but they weren't willing to get rid of a draft pick to sign him. So he went a half a year without a contract just because he's good, yeah. but he's not good enough to lose a draft pick kind of a thing. Those mid-tier level guys are the guys getting pushed out of the game Yep, because they're not the guys who are, they're not the Tatis and Trout and, they're not the big contract guys. But I could pay for what they give me. Yeah, they'll give me leadership and they'll give me those sort of veteran. But like I can probably get the same productivity out of a guy making who's pre-arbitration. Right. And, it's, and I'm willing to take that chance because I don't have to pay those guys a million dollars. Where I'd have to pay this guy, this mid-tier guy, I'd have to pay him, I don't know, six to 12 million. That, I feel like that range right there, they go unsigned. They don't even play. 
and it's great. just because great. yeah, it's just because of draft picks tied to their name. And so I'm glad they got rid of that. Uh, maybe that means the Pirates will be willing to sign some of those mid-tier six to ten million dollar players to yeah, help. Yeah, because it's not gonna. Yeah, it's not gonna it's break the bank. It's gonna right. be a productive player. I think a guy's like Corey Dickerson. I think if he was a guy that was tied to a draft pick, we'd have never picked him up. No. And and he was so good for us, you know. And that kind of a guy has a hard time getting work. Just because, yeah, just because of that. Right. And so I'm glad they got rid of that. The other thing that they said that they've already agreed on and it will be part of the CBA is the DH. And I am, I'm the first person to say there's no point in using the word universal. You've just created the fact that the DH exists in baseball now. It's a DH. The DH is now in the National League. This is the way the game's played. We've seen this coming for a long time. I'll say before I toss it to you, I like a brand of baseball without a DH. That's the way I grew up watching the game. But I saw it coming for the last five years. I knew it was going to be here. It's here. I'm kind of over it. Uh, regardless of whether I like it or not, it's there. Uh, do you share that? Or, or, or you know, what, what are your thoughts on the DH? Because I know that even though we're over, I know this is a topic we want to talk about. I think that it... Uh... I think it's going to strengthen at this point. I think it's going to strengthen some rosters, and I think the Pirates. I think the Pirates could benefit from this. Uh, yeah, I mean, to tell you the truth, I mean, it's going to mean an addition to the roster, and you've got a chance. You've got a chance to get some guys out there now. There's some guys in house that are uh, capable of doing this, but you know, you you, you I like it. I mean, the pitchers are really going to like it because they get a chance to play more golf. We talked about that earlier, <laughs> but uh, you know, you got you've got a guy right now on the Pirates roster that is really kind of been abysmal at first base, but he's he could he could be a decent yeah. designated hitter in Sutsugo. Uh, I mean, who knows where that you know leaves them. You know, who knows where that leaves them in the future? There's, I mean, there's a lot of questions on the, you know, about the roster, but, you know, I think this, this opens the door to bring in a free agent that could, that could help defensively. And uh, if, if you go outside to look for a DH, tell you the truth, I mean, you've got, or, or it just, you know, lends to the fact that you go out and get a, get a guy that's, you know, first baseman that might be able to help you. I mean, it who yeah. knows. I, I, question sometimes whether they'll even go outside and make any additions. But even if they don't, even though that's what we would want, even if they don't, I see this benefiting. I mean, we talked earlier when we were talking about prospects and the biggest thing that we kept saying was that players need at bats. There's no doubt. And I think that at putting a DH on a team like the pirates, all of a sudden you have at bats for people. You wonder about, is O'Neill Cruz going to make the team? Not if there's not at-bats. He'll go to AAA, which I think he'll go to AAA to start anyway. But I kind of wonder now. Now, they're going to want to see him at short. That's fine. He can play short one day. He can DH another day. You have the ability to get Brian Reynolds a day off and let him just DH one day. Let somebody else run around and get at-bats as well. This creates, for a team that's that's trying to uh, to trying to grow and trying to develop, this creates opportunity two more at bats a game. Yeah, for sure. For someone, right? And so 
yes, there's a strategy point of it. We're not talking about the negatives right now. We get all that. Um, but I can see where this will help us right now. Fast forward to the future. You just talk about interleague games and you go to a stadium, an American league stadium, and they've got nine hitters in the lineup and their DH is hitting 260 with 25 bombs and it's July. Yep. (laughs) And we have at our DH, let's say in our ninth player, because chances are we give a guy like Brian Reynolds a, a day off and he's the DH that day. Let's say right. the other guy is usually, for the Pirates right now, he's probably hitting 206 yeah. with three home runs and he has 250 less at-bats than their DH does. We're at a major disadvantage there. Well, it's definitely a competitive advantage, for sure. And then you you bring an American League team there and you laugh a little bit and say, ha-ha, now their pitcher has to hit, and now they have a guy sitting on the bench who's really good. Well, that's fine. Eventually, they need a pinch hitter. We put in a pinch hitter who has 73 at-bats, and we're hoping something that we get something out of him. <laughs> they put in a guy with 257 at-bats, and he's been hitting runs. every day. <laughs> and so, yes, the advantage is still on the American League. Right. They don't care about... Their pitchers go up there and they put the bat on their shoulder and they watch three pitches. And they go sit down. They don't care. No. But, and they, you know, these pitchers, I mean, there's like six guys in the league who want to hit. What we have to understand about baseball and about, oh, the league is ruining things. Listen, both sides wanted this. Both sides have wanted this for a while. There are a handful of guys who enjoy hitting who pitch. Yeah. And, and most, I, of them, most of them could care less. Yeah, and anybody who anybody who wants to do both, they're already looking at Shohei Otani saying, well, the DH is how you do both. Like, yeah, Otani pitches one day, he doesn't hit, and then he goes and he DHs for the other days. So the DH is still the answer to having a two-way player. Yeah, but he's the exception, not the rule. Oh, 100%. Sure. Yeah, and we've talked about our prospect, and right now Bubba Chandler's our two-way player that we just drafted. Eventually, you know, the old guy in me maybe, eventually he's going to pick one or the other. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. Maybe he does work out. Chances are the way it looks is he's not going to play short. He's probably going to pitch and DH. And now that opens the door for that sort of thing to happen. But it, it it just creates another opportunity, which is why the players like it. It gets... I don't think the injuries are a concern with the pitchers, but now they just don't have to worry about it. And just like you mentioned before, throwing it, guys, you know, the unwritten rule of, you know, a, a pitcher's not going to be, yeah, know, a pitcher's not going to be likely to stand in there and throw it. Anybody, I mean, they can throw at somebody now and not matter, but, you know, in the National League, it was a whole different ball game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we used to, we, we've made that argument a bunch. Uh, against the DH. I know I've made that argument. American League pitchers will throw at a guy because they've got nothing to worry about. Right. Because they got nothing to lose. The, the the worst that can happen to them is somebody charges the mound. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen much anymore. Not like it used to. No. And, you know, to say that National League pitchers don't throw inside because they have to have at-bats, the game's not played like that anymore. Guys get suspended. They get fined. There is no 
baseball polices itself argument like there yeah. used to be. Right. And, and so I, I think that that argument is, is just getting weaker and weaker the more that they toss these warnings out, which I, once again, I'm not, I'm not saying those are good things. I think baseball, I think you should be able to please. I think if you hit somebody, we should get a chance to hit somebody. That's the way I think the game should be played. I also don't think you throw at a pitcher. I think you throw at their best player. Yeah. You know what they, I mean? Listen, listen, pitchers in the pitchers in the major leagues are good enough that they could throw it through the eye of a needle if they had to. So uh, if something if something's getting away. Did you watch Tyler Glass now pitch in Pittsburgh? <laughs> well, but, but but I think you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes pitches get away, but if they're going to hit a guy, they're going to hit a guy, and they know they're going to hit him before it even – before they even take the mound to pitch the next inning. That's what's just going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I I just, I don't see those things being a a problem. I think there's still, well, I I said it to you before and and I'll say it this way. We grew up watching pirates baseball. We grew up watching national league baseball. Anybody in a national league. Yeah. Anybody that grew up in a national league town without even thinking you watched baseball with a pitcher hitting it is not a matter of you liking to see a pitcher hit. You just understood and accepted that it was part of the game and you knew that if we could get this bunt down or if if we if we could get in a situation where you have to take your pitcher out early because you need offense mm-hmm. or you know what I mean or something like that or if if a pitcher against you was going well you'd walk the guy in front of the pitcher instead of facing him. And there was all these strategic things that were built around that. And then they'd counter with a pinch hitter. And you know what I mean? All these things. I'll tell you what I hate. I hate getting into the 12th inning and not having a player left because we've been pinch hitting since the third inning. (laughs) And then all of a sudden the game's on the line. I got a guy on second and I have to give an at bat to Chris Stratton. Like that sucks. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are National League fans, grew up watching Pirates, Reds. I've got a lot of Indians fans friends. I mean, you were in Cleveland for a while. And those people just grew up watching American League Baseball. And we would talk about this. I had one buddy who was at my house all the time when we first moved into town here. And he would just always say, I can't believe that that you guys don't have a DH. Like, how stupid is it to watch a pitcher hit? It's It's embarrassing. And they would always say that American League's better because when they watched National League, they couldn't believe that these that these guys who who hit like me were even allowed to step into a batter's box. And and I'm like, yeah, but the strategy, and we'd have this argument. But the idea is that like they can't believe that people play without a DH. And so for the same way that we can't believe that they're played with a DH. Oh, that's right. arena baseball. You know what I mean? Like the, the arguments are so, I guess the point I'm trying to make is you watch the game for five years and you'll just accept it. And I, I know that you're, you're saying, oh, no, I won't. Okay. If you don't, that's on you, man. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a part of baseball. Now, as much as we don't like it right now, I think eventually we'll accept it as part of the game. I think it'll make the game better. I mean, I, I just, It'll make it more exciting. I think that, you know, some of these some of these mashers are gonna get a chance to kind of showcase themselves. And I and maybe that's a way that you know, maybe that's a way that baseball's gonna market itself. I mean, now we got <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never know. We don't know what's inside I, their heads, but I, 
I do know one thing. I think that, you know, it's beneficial. It'll be fun to watch. It changes the, it changes, as you say, it changes a little bit of the strategy of the game. I mean, yeah, there's, there's still strategy. That, yeah. There's, I mean, there's still strategy in, in the game. It's just going to be, you know, it's just going to be different. I would say back this decision up a little bit. Let's bring it to Pittsburgh here. Let's back it up 10 years. What could have changed had Pedro Alvarez just been a DH? His whole downfall of his whole career, in my opinion, was attributed to the fact that he just lost the ability to throw it accurately to first base. Yep. A lot a lot like Chuck Knobloch, who was a very, very good player. An all-star every year. And all of a sudden, couldn't throw from second base to first base. They tried him in the outfield. It didn't work out. Eventually, it was so hard on him mentally that he just lost the ability to play the game. And he was actually in American League cities. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) But that was in a day where you had, which I think is these days are uh, somewhat behind us, where you had a DH already. Oh, yeah. You know, Big Poppy, Edgar Martinez, these kind of guys, aside from Shohei Otani and maybe some of the, like, Nelson Cruz and guys like that, not very many teams, even in the American League, are running the same guy out there for over 100 games. I think there was only five five players last year, maybe maybe six, who played more than 100 games at DH. And I'm pretty sure only three or four of them, I don't have this pulled up right now, three or four of them more than 125 games at DH. They're playing the field as well. They're using this as a way to keep a guy in a lineup and give him a day off. And I think that that will continue to to happen that way. He's a ninth hitter, but they're going to rotate who that who is in that position that day. And the Pirates yeah. will use it that way a lot. I hope. And uh I just I see that and I I I see it because it's already happening in the American League. Uh but also a guy like Pedro Alvarez who could have just kept raking and say don't worry about it. A guy like Josh Bell who was never good at defense. Just go out there and hit. We could have just let Josh Bell hit, and we wouldn't have. I think there was some level of, yes, there was. uh, I think that he's part of the let's redo this whole thing. Mm -hmm. But I think there's some level of value that maybe we we would have kept him around longer if he wasn't killing us on defense. Right. Uh, But let's go back even further. The Pirates gave, they didn't just trade away Aramis Ramirez to make a a, a splash. They gave, they gave up on him because they said he made too many errors. They could have just put him at DH and look at the numbers he put up. And by the way, he ended up being a fine defender. Like, not any gold glove guy, but he was fine. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. We gave up on him early. <laughs> but, and got horrible players for him. But I just, I just say that to say, like, this could still help. I think so. Even though the brand of baseball that we've you know, people just don't, people don't accept change very well. Right. And you know, that's, I mean, just go with, it doesn't affect me one way or the other. I mean, I'm still going to watch the games. If you go to a game, you go to a game. I'm, I'm not there to see anybody. I'm not there to, I'm not going to the game to watch the pitcher hit, so to speak. Right. And I'm, and, and, 10 years ago, I would have never thought of that because it was just such an acceptance that, oh, yeah, pitchers have to hit, and then it, it's part of strategy. I'm telling you, I'll speak to the strategy piece quickly. 
that's an easy strategic, that's barely the strategy that's involved. Right. Yes, there's a thought there, but it's kind of easy because you know he can't hit. Think about it now where Kevin Newman's coming up in a, in a spot where you need him, and he's 0 for 3 that day, and he was barely got a hit the day before. I may want to pinch hit for him right now. But that's a harder decision because he's a hitter. Right. So I think there's some of that, too, that will st- it's still going to exist. You're still going to use pinch hitters. Yes, not nearly as much. But I think that now you have the ability to start doing that in such a different capacity. Uh, there, There's still plenty. Of, I mean, pitching changes in general are a strategy, and we know that those happen more often now. And maybe, and maybe it'll increase. Maybe it'll increase innings for guys. I mean, I, I've, I, and this is a topic for a whole different discussion. But I mean, I, I can't understand how it's your your profession, and they're getting four and a half, four and a half to five innings out of starting pitchers. I just can't understand that. I keep seeing this thing that that the thing that keeps popping up on social media about Nolan Ryan. No plug there. My parents had a bad sense of humor. But uh, <laughs> he threw like 742 pitches in one game, and I don't know what the heck it was. It's like he threw over 200 pitches in a game and 14 innings, and you don't see that anymore. No. I don't even know how many. And I haven't looked, but I, I'd be very interesting to see how many complete games total guys have thrown in the last probably three to four years. Not a whole lot. Um, I, I just saw – that oh who was it we had a pitcher in the last five years i want to say uh, for some reason i'm thinking tyone it may not be tyone but we had a pitcher who was tied for the league lead in complete games with two and this yeah, is I'm, not just last year like yeah recent yeah yeah i get it I mean, so yeah it, it doesn't it, happen and there's there's a you know there's a Plenty of people who have their opinion on this. A lot of it is, well, they're all throwing as hard as they can all the time. Um, you know, the the average velocity is so high because they feel like they've got to throw 100. I mean, you look at a guy who, not too far along, used to do this all the time, and that was Justin Verlander. And he'd yep. throw 93 in the first three innings, and then in the ninth inning he's throwing 100. And, you know what I mean, that was the way that those guys, you know what I mean, like... Greg Maddox threw easy so he could throw more. Now, yeah. he also had an unbelievable, like, I know that not everybody's, we can't compare people he had to a him. Ridiculous, he had a ridiculous skill set, so that's right, kind of right. like a whole different. But, you know, there are other guys who, in order to make it as a starter, you had five pitches, four or five pitches. And now you have guys who, Tyler Glass now is a good example. I can throw fastball slider twice through the order and then get out of the way. Right. And... I, I just kind of think of it, it's like, okay, well, I understand that, that, and if that's the way, I do understand them going to that format. Uh, I would think National League would be more apt to do it. Yeah, let's give our pitcher one at-bat. Whenever his second at-bat comes up, his day's over. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now, like, we're pretty much using a DH at that point. That's what it's like, and so it's it just kind of, I hope, that maybe it will extend the life of these, maybe it'll extend the life of the pitchers and, I think there are some scenarios that it, it, it can play out that way. Um, I think that if for Pittsburgh, I kind of want them to kind of uh, use that strategy of, of less innings for starters. 
But the only reason I say that is because I think that this team has the potential to run a six-man rotation maybe on a five-day schedule, meaning mm-hmm. you know what they did with Chad Cool and Stephen Brault when they were both coming back from the injury where they piggybacked them. If I could get three innings out of each, now, I'll, now I've, I've basically got a good start. And right. I think if they rotated that, as much as I don't love the idea of I want my starter to go, sorry, we don't have that guy right now. So if we could do this to where we could get guys throwing innings, important, you know, baseball, but knowing that like, hey, Bryce Wilson, you're starting today. You're going to throw one time through the lineup and then we're going to go to the next guy. And he's going to throw one time through the lineup. Essentially, you get three to four times through the lineup, right? So right, okay. if you can get me through, or, or let's say three innings and three innings, now all of a sudden I've got a whole bullpen to just do three innings instead of saying, get me through six, and then the guy struggles and gets me through four. Now I'm strapped. But if I've got two guys planned, I could actually see where that would work. And if the first guy has to come out early, the second guy can pick up an extra inning. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and hope that they both don't crap out on me. But but I only say that because I'm looking at a team who's going to win 70 to 75 games, right, in my opinion. So if I was a team trying to go to the World Series, I would hope I'd have a couple guys that can get me six innings almost every time out. Well, yeah, of course. You know what I mean? But our guy who, I mean, what uh, Brubaker led our team in innings last year with, shoot, I think 120 innings. You know what I'm saying? Like when we start looking at that, I think Brubaker had like just under 125 innings, and he had one less start than Will Crow, who started the most games for the Pirates, and threw equivalent of 11 games. Yeah, and he <laughs> threw 115 innings somewhere around right. there. You know, whatever that number is. And I'm like, yeah, the the Pirates could use some of that strategy. We're not look. We don't have a 200 inning guy. Not at, yet. You know, not yet. Right. So I, I just think that, that that 200 inning guy though, just because of the way they play, maybe that's maybe the new number is t- is 180 innings. Kind of like we used yeah, to say, maybe. 300 used to be a batting average number we looked at as being like if you're over 300, well, boy, you know, you're a good player. If you're over yeah. 300 now, you're a great hitter. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. Now you look at the 280 guys as like, yeah, these guys had a really great, a really good year. Good and year. 240 guys 20 years ago were like that guy's not making it happen. Right. And now 240 is like, yeah, but what's his OPS? Because he could still be very valuable to me if he's on base and he's slugging as high. So it's the numbers. It's yeah. a numbers game. Yeah. So, well, we've, uh, we're about an hour and a half now. So uh, we can wrap it up. This has been a lot of fun uh, having you on. We'll have you on again. If you're, I can't wait. If you want to, <laughs> we'll get we'll get you on here with Jake, and we'll really have a two hour conversation at that point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, I did this one Thanks other time me. without Jake, and yeah. it was basically me talking for forty five minutes, and I'm sure that was painful for some. I like having a second person here. I think it's it's good, and um, I'm really glad that you were willing to do it. So. It's Saturday and it's there's snow on the ground. There's not a whole lot to be, uh, no, not a whole lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when are, yeah. When do uh, when do pitch when are pitchers and catchers supposed to report? Uh, the sixteenth, I believe, is the actual fifteenth or sixteenth. So this week, um, it's just not going to happen. No, I don't think so. Uh, however, 
you know, like you said, they're doing their workouts. They're going to be ready. They probably don't need all six weeks of that. If it's two weeks pushback, that's okay. Um, I tend to, I tend to think that they won't even make that mark. That maybe it's. I think they'll do everything in their power to start on March thirty first. I don't think that they're going to go all the way through spring training without anything. I think they're going to have some type of some type of spring training. Well, they yeah. have to. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah. They, but they you mean in the, the in the regular schedule? Yeah, yeah. I don't I see don't him think. pushing it too far back, but yeah, me neither. Somebody's well, we bring it. up the idea. We bring up the fact that like there is a possibility, and I know they they're not really wanting to do this, but there is a possibility of a one or two year agreement. To where they say, I don't want to go too far with this, but we'll accept this for now. Um, I, yeah, they, they may accept just to uh, they may accept just to get this over with. Yeah, and I think the players, because they're motivated to play games, I think that they'll be willing to get halfway there, but maybe for a shorter instead of a five year or four year, maybe a one or two year to say we need to talk about this. So what I don't. Was, what, what time was he supposed to talk today? I just looked here and there's there's still no. Uh, no I don't. No I know news. that they're supposed to meet. Like the players and the owners are supposed to meet today. Oh yeah. I don't no know if there's coming out of that. I don't know if there'll be even something talked about when they come out of that, or if they'll wait until Monday to even get a press conference. I have no idea what they'll do, or like you said, if they bury it with all the Super Bowl stuff. If it's bad news, they'll probably talk to the media tomorrow. <laughs> if it's good news, maybe they'll wait till Monday. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there's going to be an agreement, but that doesn't mean that there won't be at least some more optimism. Well, to, hopefully there is, and hopefully uh, hopefully we get a season underway soon. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing. I mean, there truly isn't. I mean, it whether, whether, the, whether the team wins 70 games or 80 games or – 157 games. It's just fun to be at the ballpark and uh, get a chance to take it all in. Yeah, you know, we've, that's, we that's what we grew up with, and uh, it is America's pastime for a reason. So hopefully they get this season in, and or, or at least get it started, and you know, maybe both sides will kind of back down on you know what they want, and they they get going. Yeah. Anything you want to? Uh... Anything you want to promote? Anything that you're doing? Uh, Twitter, anything I, like that? I don't know. I, well, but none of my Twitter anybody would want to see because <laughs> I tend to be a little off the rails. But uh, <laughs> no, you, you can find me. It's, uh, I don't even know what it is. R. Patrick Nolan on Twitter. You can give me a follow on there. I don't care if you're into Instagram and photography. That's what I do. I'm a professional photographer by trade. You can follow me on Instagram at rnolanphoto. Go check it out; it's pretty good. Uh, but I don't have anything else. I mean, I, I sure. I'm living here in this town of fourteen thousand people. They're closing another mill in a, in a month, so hey, it is what it is. You got to keep yeah. a smile on your face and move forward every day. It's the way that's I. Right. That's the way I look at it. That's kind of the way I. Yeah. I approach life. You know, not everything's going to be perfect, but you can make it perfect if you're positive about the things you do and give a little bit of positivity. That's why I don't want anybody to follow me on Twitter because there's not a whole lot of positivity that I give on there, but usually uh, it's a, you know, all about just having a little fun with people and 
I'm really not that bad of a guy that I portray on Twitter. I'm kind of like the bad cop on Twitter and the nice cop here on the Bridge to Buck Bucktober podcast. Uh, but no, I don't have anything else. This was fun. I enjoyed it. For sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we will have you on again. Um, and uh, I'm, there's there's so many stories that even before we hit record that are that have value and and i'm sure will be shared some, at some we're point. not allowed to talk about so some of them we'll, we'll not talk about but <laughs> no not at all but thanks jake for uh not showing up today <laughs> I, I think he's at magic kingdom today so <laughs> i appreciated spending four hours with your brother uh it's been great Hope Mickey and Minnie and everybody are doing well. I know you're, <laughs> you're going to see this probably after you get back or knowing that I'm on, you're probably not going to watch it at all. Uh, but it was fun. I appreciate it. I hope to, uh, hope to do this again sometime soon. Absolutely. I'll bring, uh, I'll bring my energy and smiling face and maybe a couple jokes here and there. Uh, Love it. So that's about it. All I right. Got not, I got nothing else. I've got, uh, I don't have anything. I give you the old tire world. <laughs> <laughs> you may run like maze, but you hit like, uh, <laughs> your brother loved that. It was like one of the most yeah. fun things that I provided for him. I'm glad I could provide him a little bit of humor <laughs> in my time. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed watching today. I'm going to take over. I'm going to take over the end here. Now. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was fun. Yeah, we for will, sure. Uh, def- we will definitely do this again. And uh, once you make it big with this podcast, then uh, don't forget us little guys that yeah. have yeah. given us, given your time and energy. And, I, and I, maybe next time I'll even clean up my office a little bit so it doesn't look like a tornado went through here. <laughs> I don't even have little kids. I swear, look at this. Let me move out of the way here. I don't even <laughs> You guys got to check out the YouTube for this stuff. I don't even have like little kids, but (laughs) I mean, I have 12 desk chairs back here. I've got orders (laughs) that people need to come and pick up. I don't, you don't even want to see underneath my desk. It's a mess. So uh, maybe if I continue to do this, I'll, uh, I'll be able to clean some stuff up and, and make it look good. I've got a really nice black wall. I could put a big, yellow p on there we could make turn well i mean photography you've got everything available to you you've got all the lights i need a better i i have a good like i got a pretty decent light that's up here if i turn this thing up it looks like i'm on the surface of the sun yeah but uh maybe i'm gonna have to like set up my camera for the for the next one i'll blow you people out you'll actually get to see the wrinkles in my face right now i look (laughs) like i've got like carl malton nose with my red freaking nose going on. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm falling apart. 51. I'm going to be in the ground at 52. All, all of your best days are behind you now. Yeah. Well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's it. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Let's go Bucks. That's it. Go back.